This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I actually do enjoy being a teacher. And going a bit further, I appreciate having this opportunity to, um, to be able to um, serve as a pastor and specifically serving as your pastor. And above all, I hope that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I absolutely cherish, absolutely cherished being a husband to my wife and a father to my boys. So hopefully all those things are clear. But throughout my life, I have experienced some mountaintop um, situations, and I've also endured the hardships of pain and, and suffering. And there have been many times where I just don't understand why all of these things happen. It's seemingly so random, seemingly just out of sorts, but I just don't understand the reason behind any of it. And so I think about all those times, all those times where I feel like I've been walking, I'm right in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, or I am experiencing a dark, dark night of the soul. And I have many, many more questions than I do answers. And the thing is, I might have told you this before, but whenever I went to seminary, I went with a lot of questions because I wasn't able to get the answers that I was looking for before going to seminary. And so I was hopeful that I was going to be able to get better. I mean, just just have some answers to these questions that I had. But what ended up happening is I didn't really get answers to the questions. I was just able to maybe ask better questions. And so if we're honest with ourselves, we probably we probably have had to endure our fair share of heartaches and heartbreaks. And we too have probably been left feeling as though we needed some type of explanation for why things were happening the way they were and we didn't we couldn't make sense of it. We couldn't make heads or tails of it. And I just wonder like what part of us, why does this have to be part of what it means to be a human? And we are left wondering. We are left with these questions, trying to make sense of it all. And yet, we don't always get those answers. And so I think back to the times that we read about this Advent season, and we've been going over these different births and how they contributed to what we now know as Christianity and how these um, special births have contributed to that and contributed to our lives and our faith and our belief. And I can't help but think, I feel like we don't quite make sense of our own lives because we're right in the middle of it. But then maybe sometimes we get this outside perspective and it just kind of sets things just so, so we can see it just a little bit better. But don't we have that gift though? Don't we have that gift of looking at somebody else's life and saying, why can't you see all these things that I can see? Maybe because we're too close for it. 
But so we maybe gain some wisdom in that as well. And so when we look at these, these stories of Isaac and of Moses and today of John, we might peer into what's happening there and maybe we can make sense of it. We can see this through line, how everything connects and so beautifully. But I can't imagine that they knew what was going on and they can put all the pieces together. But maybe we can look into their lives and maybe glean some information, glean some wisdom and glean some hope. So today, today we look at the life or actually the birth more specifically of John, as we would call him, John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And this is in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, verses 59 through 66, and 76 through 80. I know we kind of jump around a little bit, but um, this, again, kind of helps us with that through line to help us see all the connections. But before we get there, a little bit of background about how special, how exactly special John's birth was. So let's look to his parents. So it begins, uh, Luke's book begins in this way. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abiha. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord, which is a lot, by the way, but they were able to do that. But, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound familiar to maybe an Old Testament story that we've heard about before with Abraham and with Sarah? With Abraham and Sarah, this is a, a kind of a new uh, or maybe a, a sequel, if you want to call it that way. But maybe reimagine with just a little bit of tweaks here and there to keep it interesting because it's not the exact same story, but it's very close. And this is on purpose because it links then what happens in the New Testament to what happens in the Old Testament. And while we find many similarities in the story, we are also introduced into some nuances and some new information that maybe helps keep the story linked, keep it alive, and keep it engaged. So we read about Zechariah, that he was visited by an angel of the Lord, revealing to him that his wife Elizabeth would bear him a son, and he shall be called John. When Zechariah questioned the angel, he is rendered unable to speak until all of these things that the angel was saying come to pass. And so, after those days, Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me, and when he looked favorably on me, and took away the disgrace that I have endured among my people. So the disgrace that she was talking about is that disgrace of not being able to 
do what everybody else was able to do, just like her descendants from long, long ago. Sarah had a very similar situation. She was getting on in age, and there was a disgrace kind of brought upon, upon her name, her family. And with all of that, God chose them. They were very devout. They were very good at following all the laws and doing a lot of things that other people were not able to do. They were able to do all of that. And yet, there was something missing. So, going back to what we've talked about before, there's some uh, conception of if you do good, you get good. And if you do well, not good, then you get not good. But besides that, there seemed to be something that was off. They were doing everything that they were supposed to do, and yet they were not getting what they wanted or what they felt they were created for. And so these devout and beautiful people will now have an opportunity to raise a child because they thought this just wasn't in the cards for them. They will do whatever they will do whatever it takes to raise this child in the ways of the Lord and live into this child's calling. So Zechariah and Elizabeth had a very special calling of their own. And so we start with their story and indeed John's story in this way. Found in Luke chapter 1 verse 39. In those days, now again what those days are, referring back to the beginning, is um, in the days of King Herod of Judea. So when it says in those days, that's what it was talking about. So in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to Judean town in the hill country. Again, there's no name of this particular town, but it's just a Judean town in the hill country. Where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So again, here, just to kind of set this out just a little bit. This is something where we know, we know because we have read this before, so we know what's going to happen. But at that time, they had no idea what was going on and how everything that was going on was linked to the past. And what they did, what they said, everything that was happening, God was orchestrating and there was going to be something amazing that was happening. So when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believes that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. So there's a lot of great things that are happening there. Again, all of this was set in motion for such a long time ago, reaching all the way back into the Old Testament, and now things are coming into play now. And so I, I have to imagine that Elizabeth knew the story of Sarah. But she thought maybe that's just a story that I heard about. That's, it, it is a story of our faith and kind of makes us who we are. Yet, 
that was just a story. That's not reality. That's not for me. And yet these two women, Mary and Elizabeth, they're not only related, but they now are drawn together. They're knit together with a common experience. Met in this unnamed village in the hills of Judea. The one woman is old and her son will end the old era. And the other is young and virgin and her son, her son will usher in the new era. Even the unborn John knows the difference and leaps, leaps in his mother's room when Mary enters, echoing the struggle if you look all the way back to what was happened in the womb of Rebecca, where they were kind of like two brothers that were fighting like nation against nation. But this was a, a good thing. In the words inspired by the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth blessed Mary as a mother of my Lord. Again, they, they didn't know anything about this, but, but kind of backing up just a little bit, there was something special about both of their births and how they're linked together. And so again, Zechariah. Zechariah was one that he was a priest and Elizabeth was a very devout person that had lineage all the way back to Aaron. And yet they were without. So when they actually had something happen to them like this, it was even and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, but it was even um, so unfathomable that Zechariah was like, oh, how would I know this? When the, when the angel of the Lord comes to him, he said, well, how would I know this? And he said, well, when everything comes to pass, um, you can speak and give him, as of right now, you're not going to speak. And we'll see later what, what happens, but, but that is surrounding the birth of John. All of this is leading up to the birth of John. And so it's interesting that Elizabeth realizes who Mary is and who is within Mary and that there is a connection between the two of them, that they had no idea of what was about to happen. So Elizabeth is beginning to realize that she, her husband, and her baby boy are part of something so much more and more magnificent than she could ever have imagined. It was a lot for her to just even have the idea of having a child and now there was something much more. It's not just a child. Yes, it's special because it's her child, but there's something much more at play here. God is up to something big. And we skip to verse 59. And they were going to name him. This is after the, the birth of, of John. And they were going to name this child. They were going to name him, Zechariah, after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives have this name. They began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. Again, he could not speak at this time. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. He asked, oh, I already said that. Uh, immediately, 
His mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. All of this time, for nine months, he had been without able to express himself. And again, he probably sees so much that's going on. And he's like, man, I want to say something about this. Because not only is he a priest, but he's about to be a father. And he wants to share all this good news with stuff. And he probably sees so much that's going on. And yet he can say nothing. But it's only whenever he, said, whenever he writes down his name, should be John, that he's freed to speak and praise God once again. Fear came over the neighbors, and all of these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. And who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. So as was customary, the relatives and neighbors, just imagine this. Like you're, you're going to have a baby and your relatives and your neighbors come and they, they um, celebrate with you and they celebrate by saying this is what their name should be. I mean, for, for those that are, have ever been in a situation similar to that, I know that, that people have their own ideas of what, they should, uh, what your baby should be named, how you should raise them, everything like that, because they're experts, obviously. But... I still can't imagine that. Everybody's coming and giving their two cents as to what this baby shall be called. But it was customary for that to happen. And they had expectations of the child would be named after his father. But Elizabeth and Zechariah had other plans and other expectations. And maybe this is a hint, just a hint, as to why this was linked back all the way to the Old Testament in some ways, but breaking from the tradition and the status quo in other ways. So this is one of the first ways that there was a break from tradition. I'm not going to do this because the angel of the Lord said for me, they didn't say this, but they knew, the angel of the Lord said for me to call this child John. And when it was said, what then Will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Oh, man. They were speaking something into existence. But they had no idea what they were actually asking or what would come to pass. God did something miraculous in the life of John. And then the Lord continues to do so his entire life. And so we continue on and skip ahead to um, verse 76. And you, he's talking, Zechariah is now able to talk, so he's going to talk. So here he goes. He's saying this directly to his child. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God, the the dawn from on high, oh, down from on high, will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. This also echoes, and we'll, we'll read about this here in just a second, but this also echoes into the Old Testament, from the Old Testament. The child grew and became strong in spirit, And he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. 
So Luke rounds off this story with a summary statement about John's growth, linking and echoing Samson, the the Nazarite, and Samuel. When the story resumes, when John is made known to Israel, he will come demanding the cleanse for repentance. So he is a mouthpiece. He is a prophet for God. And sometimes people enjoy what is said and other people like, "Mm, now you're into meddling. But this story is somewhat of a nice conclusion. But the story is far from where it started and far from over. It began with two devout people who lived to serve God, but were not blessed with a child. Now these two amazing people have a child who will become the last of the Old Testament prophets. This child will become someone who points far beyond himself and to prepare the way of the Lord, his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. His parents would help raise John so that he might live in to his intended purpose. And that's good. That's great. And that's how that story ends for now. But what does that have to do with us? As I said previously, sometimes there are some great things that happen in our lives. We have those mountaintop experiences, and then we are in the valley of the shadow of death, and we feel so alone. And yet God is with us, always. But we don't often make sense of that. We don't often make sense of why these bad things are happening, or even sometimes why good things are happening to us. We just don't know. And sometimes we really don't ask questions when good things are happening. But we definitely do whenever bad things are happening to us. And it doesn't quite make sense to us. It doesn't quite um, fit together in our lives in such a way that makes sense. Because that's who we are as humans. We need things to make sense. We need things to fit together because that makes us feel better. But the point here is that everything that happened in Zechariah's life and in Elizabeth's life and in John's life, it didn't quite make sense by itself. It didn't quite make sense why Things would happen the way they did for Zechariah. He was a very devout person. And he asks one question. How is this the case? How is this going to be? How will this be? And because of that, his mouth is shut. For at least nine months. Because there was some time and then the baby was conceived. And then, you know, there was the... Um, gestation period but for all of that time he couldn't talk and it didn't make sense to him at the time i'm sure he was furious it didn't make sense like there have been other people that have asked much worse questions i'm just asking like why like how do i know that this is going to happen i mean abraham asked that question sarah asked that question why him that doesn't make sense it's not fair And then for Elizabeth, it didn't make sense to her that that she was also from the line of Aaron, the brother of Moses. 
And she was a devout person. She was doing everything that she was supposed to do, and yet she could not have a child. She was barren. And it did not make sense to her. It did not make sense to her. But also what didn't make sense is whenever she became pregnant. It was against all odds, as we've seen over and over and over again. This is just another one in the long lineage of, of times where God has intervened and God has made possible things that were before impossible. God has made a way where there was no way. This is what happens whenever we encounter the living God. But again, it didn't quite make sense for Elizabeth at that time. Everything around her was, was changing. Everything that she knew was going to be different. And it didn't make sense to her why she couldn't have children in the first place and then why in her older age she was going to have a child and what that would mean for her. But things started to make a little bit more sense whenever she encountered her cousin, her younger cousin, much younger cousin, Mary. And whenever she saw her, within her womb, the baby leaped for joy. I think that is so cool. That's so cool that this baby knew something that she didn't. It started to make a little bit more sense. Because then, filled with the Holy Spirit, not only the baby was she pregnant with this baby, but she was pregnant with the Holy Spirit, being with her, leading her, guiding her to these words of saying, Blessed are you, who am I, that I would be encountering the mother of the living Christ? How am I so appreciative? Of this how do I even deserve any of this that I should be in this situation there was something going on much more than she could have ever imagined and then with John there was so much leading up to his birth but God was with John all the way up to his death and if you remember his death it was not I mean as deaths go it was pretty bad and yet all of this, everything that Zechariah did, everything that, that Elizabeth did, everything that John did, it maybe didn't make sense by itself, but together, including what has happened in the Old Testament and what basically John's birth did was it brought the Old Testament, everything from the Old Testament into the New Testament and what his life and what the life of Zechariah and what the life of Elizabeth was doing was helping to prepare the way of the Lord. All of this was not in vain. All of this was for purpose and on purpose. And for us, it doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't quite make sense why the things happen that they do and the way that they do to the people that they do. It doesn't quite make sense why these bad things happen to us. Why these things that have seemingly no reason at all to be in our lives are in our lives. And yet, and yet even these things that bring us so much pain, so much torment, so much anguish, even these things, God can speak into our lives and intervene and say, you know what? 
This is not all for nothing. I'm going to use your life. If you let me, I will use your life. The good and the bad, the ugly, everything in between. And if you let me, I will use your life to help point to something greater than you. Something greater than who is in the world. Something greater than you can ever imagine. You can be used to point to Jesus. You and your life and everything that you've experienced, the good and the bad and the ugly, everything in between, can help to prepare the way of the Lord. Everything, everything that makes no sense at all right now because you're in the thick of it. Everything that just, it brings you down because you don't know why. Because you have those questions that you feel needs answers. All of that can be used to prepare the way of the Lord and can connect your life to something much greater than you can ever imagine and you can point to Jesus. See, what John's life was, was a preparation, was a foreshadowing of what would come. And I know John is in the Bible, and we're not necessarily in the Bible, but God can use our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, to help prepare the way of the Lord once again. Can help prepare others to see what is much bigger than they can ever imagine. Because this is good news. This is great news, actually. And what we see later on, what we'll see next week is, is what happens whenever Mary responds to this. And we'll see that this is all coming together. That the story is far from over. The story isn't good. God's not done with you yet. God loves you. God wants more for you. So my hope and my prayer is that you can see all of this and kind of take a step back and see that there's a bigger picture here and that we can see that there is a narrative at play from Old Testament all the way into the New Testament, all the way into our lives that is pointing far beyond our lives into something much, much bigger and much more than we could ever imagine. And God can even use us. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh God, our Father, we ask that you be with us now. We ask that you help us to see our lives as not meaningless. That all the things in our lives that have happened so far have been for a reason, have been on purpose and for a purpose. And hopefully, Lord, you can help us. So that through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, that we can believe that you are our fortress, that you are our portion, that you are our hiding place, that we can believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that we believe that through every blessing, through every promise, through every breath that we take, that we believe that you are our provider, you are a protector, 
you are the one that we love. We believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, there is good news because it's a new horizon. And our eyes are set on you. And we meet here today with these new mercies. And you know what? All those fears and all those doubts and all those, those questions that kind of plague us, Lord, we, we ask, yeah, bring them all too. Because they can't stay long when we're in your presence, Lord. It is a new horizon. Our eyes are set on you. Help our lives prepare us and prepare everybody around us for something much more, something much better. May we prepare the way of the Lord. May we prepare and point our lives to Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.